Hello and happy Wednesday. Thank you for joining us this morning. Hi, Lisa, all the way from Connecticut. I miss you. Hey, did you guys hear that she already got a plane ticket to be back in July? Wow. <laughs> Those are my jubilant hands. <laughs> That's what we're calling that now. Yep. Jubilant hands. Jubilant hands. Because, you know, it's on topic. <laughs> yes. We're talking about jubilant soul this morning. And, and really for the next month, we'll be in a series that we've named Jubilant Soul. And it's on brand with the word that God gave us for 2023. And, and it's going to be interesting, honestly. It's going to be an interesting month to see what all God is, is going to do and, and how he's going to step in and begin to bring about the fruition of the word that, that he gave to us. And I want to read this portion of it to remind us of what it is that, that he said. Um, family revival. This is just a portion. Family revival. Hearts turn back to me in deep reverence and lasting devotion. That's important to me. Deep reverence and lasting devotion. The least of these, the worst off will hear my knocking and let me in. I am releasing a healing balm over families with a grace to uncover iniquities. Deep healing is coming to my house of myrrh. I'm touching pain-filled memories trapped in the hidden corners of your soul. I'm sweeping out every crevice and corner. This is the jubilee year of the soul in order to be satisfied and not crushed. By the release of my greater glory. What a word. My goodness. Sweeping out every crevice and every corner of the soul. So for those of us that have the keep out signs nailed to that door, let's just go ahead and pull out the, is it a crowbar that you, <laughs> that you, you yes, just pull out the spiritual crowbar. We're just going to take that off because it doesn't belong. And we're going to open the door and we're going to invite the Lord into that space so that he can clean out our souls and, and bring about this Jubilee year that he's promised us. And I mean, come on, don't we really like deep down, don't we really want him to come in and do a deep clean in our soul? I, I, I know, I know that for, for so many people, the fear is if I open that door, it's just going to be a tidal wave of stuff, we'll call it, stuff and things, right? <laughs> that just comes falling down and you feel as if you will be buried and that there will be no way out. But here's the deal. We're talking about the maker. The one who created you, brought you up in the first place. He's the one that's wanting to enter in. We're not talking about the grim reaper here. We're talking about the father. He's the one that wants entrance into these spaces to bring about a holiness that he longs for. I mean, he, he says deep reverence and lasting devotion. Anybody tired of being tossed on the waves, right? Those waves of doubt that keep pulling us back under. He doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for me. So, Let's just remove the keep out sign, open the door, and invite him in this morning. That's where we're going. This is what we're talking about. Who wants to go first? I'll jump in. 
Let's uh, let's take the keep out sign once we invite him in and toss it in the fireplace, burn it. Uh, you know, that invitation, it doesn't mean exposure either. He already knows all the stuff, all the stuff and things. He already knows it. So don't be intimidated thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be exposed for whatever it is. You know, even the smallest things, because that's not what it is. And I love that you said uh, use the word on brand. Because, you know, we've been branded by this word that he released uh, over us for the year. And so uh, we're really, really making a concerted effort to steward that well and and be in that and take action on that. So I love the word brand that you use because we are branded by it. But so Jubilant Soul, uh, the, the first thing Holy Spirit started to talk to me about was uh, happiness. And it's it's a choice to be made. It can bring jubilee to our souls, uh, but if we aren't willing to to pick it up and wear it, then there isn't much he can do. Uh, he can he can bring provision to us um, and set us up for success, but it, it, it's a choice to be happy. It's uh, not something we can we can hinge on. Uh, external factors or, or desires to be brought in to, to make us happy. And, and we can see that with Paul uh, and Silas when they were uh, in Acts 16, it talks about they were beaten, severely beaten, thrown into prison, thrown into the innermost portion of the prison. And in, in the midst of all that and, and had uh, uh, leg irons put onto them. That's how the message uh, describes it as leg irons. And, in the midst of that, they uh, chose to sing songs. They chose to worship God. They chose to praise Him, and and, and everyone could hear it. It wasn't a, a, a soft whisper song. It was, it was boisterous. It was loud. They weren't going to hide it. They were going to make a choice to be happy because you may enter into that that time of, of praise and worship uh, without happiness, but it's unlikely you're going to leave in that mm-hmm. same manner, mm-hmm. right? They, they made that choice. And uh, I know those circumstances weren't necessarily happy, uh, but they knew choosing to, to worship and praise uh, uh, was. And um, th- there's freedom in that. Right. There, there is uh, a freedom that you can uh, lay things down and know that you don't have to pick them back up again. Uh, but again, that is your choice. Uh, if you're going to pick something back up that you've laid at God's feet, uh, it shows a, a, a mistrust or, or not a mistrust, but it shows that you don't trust him. And, and trust is also a choice, just like being happy. We have to to choose to trust. And, you know, he has so many wonderful things for us uh, um, and, and freedom, really, like we haven't ever dreamed possible and uh, or, or at least haven't believed that it's possible. You may have dreamed it, but you that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the belief to see it uh, walked out. And so uh, this being a jubilee year of the soul. uh He's ready to bring freedom to our, our mind, to our, our will, our emotions, uh, if we're willing. You know, you have to ask, am I willing to choose happiness? Am I, I willing to choose to trust God? 
And are you willing to to fully trust? Because once you lay something down uh, for him to take care of, don't pick it back up again. Uh, even if that thing appears to, to come back up. Uh, I've talked in the past on here and shared about um, healing from heartburn. Uh, every once in a while it comes back up or tries to come back up and, and present as though it's there. And I just say, nope, I've been healed of that. And immediately it goes away and, and because I trust God to to not pick that thing back up and, and carry it. It's trying to present itself. And, and I understand there are circumstances uh, uh, where it doesn't happen in a moment, but Trust that that when God said he's dealing with something, that he's taking care of something, that it's done. You know, it, it's finished for, for all eternity. That's how he does things. That's how he handles them. It's not, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna deliver you from that right here. But later on, no, I don't have your back later on. Mm. It's just, just right now. So once you lay something down, you know, you, you have to, to let that go. Let him handle it. And on the backside of that, there's freedom. Right, a, a jubilee year of the soul is about freedom for your mind, and we just finishing that that series on sound mind. It doesn't mean it's over because right. all of this continues to bring out a sound mind uh, for for your will, uh, uh, for your emotions, those those feelings that you have that come up. You know, they don't always tell the truth. They don't always always uh, uh, present kingdom reality to you. Uh, because they can be easily manipulated, but the, the fact remains that there's freedom there for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Jump in, Pepper. You know, um, I think a good basis, too, and a good foundation underneath what all that Vince is saying, we're calling it the jubilant soul, right? Because the soul isn't always jubil jubilant and joyous. And so I think... A good foundation is, first of all, making peace with those times, those feelings, right? Because scripture says, and Peter, don't think it's strange when fiery trials come and test you and think, what is this? I mean, we've all been through stuff and we think, what is the deal? This makes, this is no, this is stupid. This makes no sense, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I was high in the clouds and I believe the promises and bam, I get hit with this and this is so odd. But he said, don't think of it as odd, you know? And so I think on, on one level, we have to be expectant that what God said he'll do, he'll do, but we can't always predict how he'll do what he does. And so during those times when we don't feel joyous, um, there's a tendency to beat yourself up and say, well, I should feel joyous. But I don't believe that's really true because would there really be a test of faith if we always felt joyous? <laughs> you yeah. know? And so I think there are, there are moments where our soul man is not meant to line up with our spirit man because we're learning how to line up. You know, we're exercising that to learn how to divide between the soul and the spirit. So there are going to be times that God allows our soul, that place where our mind, will, and emotions dwell, to not line up with what the spirit knows. And, um, you know, and it's like I was asking you guys earlier, 
can you really lose your joy? I mean, I use that expression and I know what we mean when we say that. But if Jesus, the very root and fruit of all the fruits of the Spirit, are inside of us, can we really lose our joy? And I think about um, Jesus. You know, when he was on the cross, he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Well, that was the truth of what his feelings were, but it was not the truth of the reality. And I know Jesus' spirit man knew that because he predicted his own death. He was very clear that I'm going to die, but he was also very clear that the Father and I are one. So he knew that he could never be separated from the Father. But the truth of what he felt in his humanity because we know he was fully God and he was also fully man. So that was more than just to test his faith. You know, we saw his faith tested in the wilderness. We saw his faith tested in the garden. We see his faith tested on the cross. But that wasn't just for his sake. That was also for our sake. And uh, it says Hebrews 4, 14, Jesus, the great high priest, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of so his humanity had to feel that because he knows how we feel. But his spirit man knew, I'm never separated from the Father. What the Father said he'll do, he'll do. And so I think it's a good basis for us because just because you feel a thing doesn't mean you have to do a thing. And just because you feel a thing, it doesn't mean you are a thing. So I may feel discouragement, but I'm not discouragement. I may feel joyless, but that doesn't mean I'm joyless. Yeah. And and so sometimes I think just that that back and forth where he's teaching us how to steward what we're what what is the truth of what we're feeling versus the versus the reality of what is. Mm-hmm. Because there's no test and doing things that you always feel like doing. You know, if I love to water ski, that's not a test of my faith if I feel like I want to go water skiing. But if I love to water ski and there's sharks in the water, well, then I'm not going to feel like water skiing. (laughs) So, but I can still do it. So the test of faith is really like what Vince said is when you're in the prison and you've got the shackles on, you make that choice to sing when you don't necessarily feel joyous. Yeah, no, it's, I, I love those stories. They're, they're, they're my favorites. I, I, the, I love to put myself in the scene of, of the apostles in, in this space of imprisonment yeah. and, and they could have given way to, I am a prisoner but they didn't. They gave way to "I am freedom," right? And 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 they released that in song. And and when we do that, the story, as the story goes, they weren't the only ones that experienced freedom on the backside of that. Every chain was broken in every cell door. 
flung wide. And, and, and not only that, even the jailkeeper is spiritually set free. And, and so I, I love the story. It is dynamic. And I think that if we really, really, really got it, we would stop with the woe is me act, right? And that we would be those who have the joy set before us like Jesus. I love you talking about him being on the cross and even giving voice to the flesh. I mean, I feel like that is like the flesh's last stand, like stand last last word on the issue. And you're dead. Father, why have you forsaken me? Because that's what that was sin's cry all along is that that humanity had been forsaken by the father and what a lie you know like he, he never pulled away from us we pulled away from him and that's the truth um but when we think about even the the year of jubilee that would come what was it every 50 years i think and and this meant like all debts all debts were wiped out and i know enough about humanity to to not be foolish and think Oh, they all were just willing to let debts go. No, they weren't. This was a struggle. This was a struggle because our humanity, our flesh wants to hang on to the record keeping, right? Like it wants to hold on to, yes, but I was wronged kind of thing. But the year of Jubilee meant that everyone must release, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't just something that was done to them. They had to participate in this year of Jubilee to allow the, the the transactions against them to be released to be to be wiped clean and and so often we hold on to pain we hold on to wounds we hold on to the chains mm-hmm. because it's become part of our identity wrongly so but it has become part of our identity and um and so in this in this this um, invitation into a jubilant soul, we have to be willing to let go of these things that have become familiar to us. And, and sometimes it's like, you know, a wound is embedded, you know, and if he's, if he's going to come in and sweep away these things, that means he's bringing healing with him to, to, to heal up these wounded places in our soul, but we have to allow it and we've got to stop picking at it. And, and so I think that, that that's something that we need to, to be honest about is that we kind of like our wounds to hang around. We kind of like our sad story. We mm-hmm. kind of like to be the victim. And and this is where the sound mind comes in. And I love that you said, Vince, like we aren't actually transitioning away from the sound mind. We just finished that series, but it's going to continue because we all need the work of a sound mind. We want the mind of Christ. And that's a daily washing from the water of the word that, that's going to bring that about that our mind has to change, has to align with who Christ is and who he says we are. And there's a story, and this is another one of my favorites, another favorite part of scripture in the New Testament, where where Jesus is going toe-to-toe with the Pharisees. And, you know, they're as mad as mad can be because freedom is offensive and they are offended. And, and so they're going back and forth. And, and I'm just going to read the, the last part because I, I love what it says. And um, this is John 8, 54. Jesus said, if I turn the spotlight on myself, it wouldn't amount to anything. But my father, the same one you say is your father, put me here at this time and place of splendor. You haven't recognized him in this, but I have. If I, in false modesty, said that I didn't know what was going on, I would be as much of a liar as you are. 
So I do know, and I am doing what he says. Abraham, your father, and you can kind of hear the mocking tone in this, your father with jubilant faith looked down the corridors of history and saw my day coming. He saw it and he cheered. So was Abraham's life perfect? Did everything just go just so smooth and no rocky roads and and everything just fell into place magically and he didn't have to contend for any? No, like he sat on a promise for years and years and he even attempted to do it in his own power. And we know that story. This is how you end up with Ishmael's. And then his son is, you know, born. The, the promise is here and God's like, kill him. And so, you know, we know that Abraham's life is not simplistic. He's having to battle for faith to keep the promise before him. And it, 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 he is the father of faith for this reason, because he trusted in the promise. Now, we all have words of promise over our lives. And I think much of what we have done with the promises over our lives is we have thrown them into those crevices and corners of, of the dirty parts of our soul and said, yeah, that's never going to happen for me. That's not how Abraham did it. Abraham saw the promise that was on his life and he saw the promised one. And I love it that Jesus says, Abraham saw my day coming. You're calling him your father and you don't even look like him. You don't mm. even look like him. He looked down the corridors of history and he saw me coming. And so that's going to be my big question for us in this, in this, this conversation about having a jubilant soul. Are, are you capable with the eyes of your soul to look down the corridors of history and see the real you to see yourself standing upright, to see yourself in a Christ like manner. Can you see yourself? bound by chains and giving way to the fruit of joy anyway. And I think that we diminish it. I think that we diminish joy down to a feeling mm -hmm. and we know full well, it's a fruit. And, mm -hmm. and scripture tells us that, that in our weakness, he is strong and, and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. It's a strength. Joy is a strength. It's not, it's not a mere feeling. Happiness is. But joy is, it's a tool that we get to lean into. And how much more is as a jubilant soul, you know, when everything is being wiped clean? Come on. I love that. Joy is a strength. Uh, that's, that's so good because, you know, we have uh, trained ourselves to, uh, to go in our own strength and, and rather than in the strength of, of God, we, we want to, to do it on our own. We want to uh, say, look what I did. Look at me, you yeah. know, and, and that's just not the way to go. We need to, to focus on Jesus and, and what is possible under his strength. When we, we take on that, that joy of his strength. And then, and then just seize every opportunity that he's putting before us. Um, just, just take that, that, that action that he's showing us. And, and I, I love this, this whole topic because uh, it, it can go in so many different directions. 
and all of them good. And, and, and this one right here in particular, um, the, the, the fruit uh, of joy and, and what it can open up for you when, when you don't choose to focus on circumstance, you don't choose to focus on, on what's going on around you in the natural, but you choose to focus on Jesus and, yeah. and what it is that, that he's doing, what it is that he's saying and, and, and just lead with that and, and, and move from that place and stay under that strength. That that's where we're gonna we're gonna see uh, we're gonna start to see things happen. Mm-hmm. What we now call supernatural will become just what it should be natural. Should you know if we're if we are ambassadors of the kingdom and, and bringing the kingdom and advancing that that should be our everyday life. This this uh, uh, things that we. We look at and, and naturalize and, and in natural circumstances, that should be something that is is moved and affected by what it is that we are carrying in, by this uh, joy as a strength that we bring in as a fruit of who we are and, and who it is that, that, like we were talking about earlier, Pepper, lives in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, when we're talking about the 50 years, 50 years, every 50 years, so 50 years of, and they, you know, people then live so much longer than we do now, but 50 years of likely living under some sort of oppression and needing things wiped clean, you kind of do take on shoot, I can take on an identity in five days, <laughs> let alone 50 years. And, and that kind of just becomes you that, you know, if you're, if you're someone who deals with lack, that just kind of becomes you. And so we really are going to have to wrestle this thing out to, to agree with God and, and who it is that, that he says we are, and we're going to have to give ourselves give ourselves completely to the spirit. Like, you know, can we just, can we just say the words like Holy spirit possess me, possess me. And I think that we are so afraid of what it's going to look like that somehow people have a perspective of us that does align probably more with our lack because, you know, sometimes we just don't see correctly. We don't have the right lenses on. And I I could, I could have full knowledge of what's going on in Vincent Pepper's life and, and like maybe a fall inside of what's going on in Vincent Pepper's life. And I have a choice to make. I can either choose to see them through that lens and assign that to their life. Lack, that's their life, you know, or I can listen to what the spirit is saying and I can contend with them in that and assign that promise to their lives and, and, and rise up and begin to treat them in that manner, in, in the royal ways of the Father, in the royal ways of the, the word, right? And, and that's our job. As prophetic people, that is our job, to, to throw off the lesser things off of one another and contend for the promise, the word that's, that's over one another's lives. So that we don't get stuck in this rut. And so when the Holy Spirit wants to come in and clean out the soul and he's he's assigning jubilant soul to our season, it's so much easier because we have already rallied people around us who know us and know what it looks like for us to, to walk out promise. But we have to be willing to give ourselves to it. And I think that we really are afraid 
of what it will look like. What what if, you know, if the if the spirit starts manifesting in a way where, you know, I'm shaking like crazy and I look like a fool. So what? I would rather look like a fool for Christ than to appear a prisoner of the enemy. But honestly, I think that we're a little more content with the latter. Mm-hmm. Jump in, either of you. I like I like what you were saying about the eyes of the soul, because um, you know, for Jesus, in that darkest moment of his humanity, there came a moment where. And it wasn't about sin because we knew, we know he had no sin. I believe it was about comprehension and revelation because there came a moment when his soul fully comprehended what his spirit already comprehended. And then he leaned into the father and then we see, he says, it's finished. By then he has the full comprehension because his spirit man knew what was to happen. But in his humanity, at there, I believe there was a point where he didn't fully comprehend in his humanity what it was going to take and how high the price it could be. Because if somebody said, you have to die, well, we know what die means, and we know most people don't want to do it. But until we're faced with death, we really don't know what that feels like and how high that price is. Yeah. So I believe there came a moment for Jesus where the eyes of his soul lined up with the eyes of his spirit Mm. and they came into that full comprehension. And he says, it's finished. It's finished. All was complete, you know? And when we have those moments where we're struggling to comprehend in our humanity and our soul, what our spirit man already knows, those are the opportunities that God is using to work with us, to teach us how to come in alignment with him. And so just as it's ridiculous to think that we could go through life and never be angry, it's ridiculous to think that you're going to go through life and never feel discouraged and feel a lack of joy. But I would say the same thing that the scripture says about angry, the anger, be angry, but sin not. Yeah. Let yourself feel that lack of joy and discouragement, but don't sin in it. Mm-hmm. Because there's a place where you can feel it, but there's also a place where you can just sit in it and bathe in it. And that's what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's annoying to me when I'm discouraged and I'm struggling with my joy and someone who thinks faith means lying about it. Well, how can I tell you what's wrong with me? How can I? My humanity feels this. You know, I know that God will never leave me and forsake me. And that doesn't mean if I tell you, man, I just feel like a truck just ran over me. That's the rea- That's the truth of what I feel. It's not the reality of what's happening. But so many, we've probably all experienced somebody, and I've probably done it too. Oh, don't, just ignore that. You don't feel that. Yes, I do feel that. (laughs) Now teach me how to steward it. Don't Mm -hmm. tell me not to feel it. Mm -hmm. Teach me how to steward it. So, yeah, so um, you know that you've crossed over into the wrong place when that lack of joy and discouragement 
begins to make you start making accusations against God and mm -hmm. accusations towards people. And you know that you're not stirring it well when you get into that pity party and that woe is me and then giving up. Um, and then after that, you just, there's a part of you that will just refuse to believe anymore. Yeah. And like Vince said, that's when it gets into a choice. Do you choose to believe? And like I said earlier, it's easy to choose to believe when I feel it, when I see it. Those are the moments where God is strengthening our character. He's strengthening our faith. He's strengthening our inward man because we're not caving into what we feel in the inward man. And we're saying, rise up. You will. You will believe, you know, oh, my soul, put your trust in God. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. It's still good. It's 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 not it's not a sin to to admit that you're sad, you're angry, you're disappointed, you know, but it, it's in the getting stuck there. Mm -hmm. And, and um, we've got a, a really good friend who um, occasionally comes in and visits and um, and he says, release, don't rehearse, you know, and I think that that is such a powerful thing to remember that, that we have to release the things that it's not it's not about you know, denying that, that things have gone wrong, but it's just it, not rehearsing, yeah. not rehearsing it. We get stuck when we begin to rehearse the same thing over oh, and yeah. over and over. And then we're holding people hostage because, um, you know, uh, they're the ones that did it. We're, we are typically having feelings. We're emoting about something that someone has done <laughs> and, or not done. And, um, and when we continue to rehearse that, and we're still there a year later and we're still rehearsing it and going over it. It's called unforgiveness. Mm. <laughs> and, and honestly, we're wounding ourselves. And if you are a believer, you're, you actually have a call to protect and heal the body. And, and you're not doing it by continuing to reopen it, the wound. You are just rewounding the bride of Christ over and over and over again. And we have got to keep a picture of oneness on the forefront of our mind because we think that our actions do not affect the whole. And that is a lie. Our actions do affect the whole. We are, we are making decisions to wound the bride of Christ. And we should probably just ask the Lord how he feels about that. Mm -hmm. You know? A little sobering, I realize, but yeah. <laughs> we need yeah. to. If we're yeah. going to, if we're going to give him what he's worthy of, we have to think like this. We have to think, okay, what have my actions done to to advance the bride or to wound the bride? And um, unfortunately, I think that we give way too often to to wounding over and over and over, and not allowing ourselves to believe the truth of a matter because there, there's just it, most of the time intentions aren't as evil as, as we believe once we start mulling things over and making much of them, it, it becomes a, a monstrosity that we can no longer control. And before we know it, you know, that person is the enemy themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and that's wrong. The truth is, is that they're part of the body. They're an essential part of the body and, and we need to relook at those things and, and deeply investigate them with the spirit so that we can bring about healing 
and restoration. I mean, the ministry of reconciliation is ours to steward. Are we doing it well? What is she saying? She's going to catch up later. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Anne-Marie. Talking about the the things that we, we choose to tell ourselves these narratives that we want to take on and, and just sit in for so long. That's um, using I am statements because you start to say I am basically saying I am a victim of this person. I am a victim of this this circumstance or situation, whatever it is. And um, we, we can't continue to use I am statements wrongly. We have to ask ourselves, will we, will I allow God to reveal my identity daily? Am I going to make a choice to go back and listen to who it is that he says I am and then make agreement and say that I am this person that God says I am, I am this and not even, not even focus on the other thing, not, not even say I'm not that I am this just just simply agreeing with who God says it is that you are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's huge. It's huge just to even change our our language, but that starts obviously with, with our, our mind. What are we thinking? What's what, or even our hearts, you know, speaking of the soul, (laughs) (laughs) it's out of the overflow of our heart that the mouth speaks. And Mm -hmm. so we, we have got to, we've got to open ourselves up to, to the, the healing that the Lord is wanting to bring to our souls so that we can speak things rightly because we're creating every time we open up our mouths, we're creating something. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. And we need to realize that we are releasing something. And, um, and, and, you know, for me, it's, it's just a powerful picture to, to ask myself today, did I create shacks or did I create mansions? You know, it, it, it matters very That's much good. what it is that, that we're speaking and we're, we're actually creating a habitat for ourselves and the Lord to live within. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what is it that we're producing for him with our, our words? Are we producing a, a shack for the Lord or a, a mansion, a, a temple for him to live within? And if you have not gone and refamiliarized yourself with the workings of the temple, Solomon's temple, it's worth it. It's worth it to go back and, and, and just go over the intricacies of what went into creating this space for the Lord to, to, to live within, to have his presence in and um, to commune with his people through it. Like they were not allowed to have hammers or um, chisels or anything like that on the work site. All of that kind of stuff had to happen prior to. So Solomon was like uber protective over what was taking place in the building of the temple. And are we doing the same when we're creating all day long with our words? Wow. I like that. Are we creating shacks or mansions? So. And, you know, I'm leaning a lot into Jesus' feelings this morning because, come on, no matter what we feel, does it get as dark as that, as what he felt 
Mm-hmm. So no, no matter what we feel, it's never going to get that dark yeah. as what he felt. I mean, and um, and a lot of times the things we say, I think because the attitude of our heart while we're saying them is not lining up right, like it's the darkest before the dawn and weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Those things can begin to sound like cliches because of the way our, the attitude of our heart is. But it, it really is true that it's darkest. I was looking up for that because it came to mind this morning, but it's Luke uh, 23:44, and it says, um, it was now about noon, and this is Jesus was on the cross, and darkness came over the whole land until three because the sun's light failed. So, as Jesus hung on the cross, it became so dark, so dark, and the and the S U N failed, but the S O N prevailed, and so it got so dark, and it doesn't get it. It will as dark as it gets, it will never get that dark for us. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so if Jesus could endure that darkness, knowing that. It's finished. Mm-hmm. It, it, it game over now, <laughs> and and there was no proof in the physical world to say that victory had been won because mm-hmm. you don't say your your humanity doesn't say victory is won when it's dark. This was a phenomenon I don't think that had ever happened. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But yet Jesus said, it's finished. It's done now, kids. It's over. <laughs> you know? And so um, another scripture that came to mind for me was like, if Jesus can say it's finished, when it was the darkest it had ever been for humanity and the darkest it had ever seen for him, we can still sing. This is, um, uh, I believe this is Psalm. It says, Oh, sing and make a melody, you steadfast lovers of God. Give thanks to him every time you reflect on his holiness. I've learned that his anger lasts a moment, but his love and favor last a lifetime. We may weep through the night, but at daybreak, it will turn into shouts of ecstatic joy. Come on. <laughs> and then in Isaiah... Um, I didn't pull up the scripture, but it's saying, sing, O barren woman, sing, you that could not bear, because the barren woman will bear more children than the woman with the husband. So that's what God is saying to us. It may look the darkest it's ever looked for you. You may feel the darkest you ever have felt. That's your feelings, but it's not the reality. The reality is it's finished. Yeah. I've done it, kids. It's done. Yeah. So you might as well start rejoicing now. Get a head start on it. <laughs> Go out with joy. That is so <laughs> good. It's done. That's so good. And it reminds me of something that, that Bill Johnson said shortly after losing Benny is he said, this is the only time in my life I will have the opportunity to give him all that he is worth in the midst of pain. <laughs> yeah. It's like... All right. <laughs> and it's true. It's wow. true that, you know, on the other side, we, we won't have this opportunity. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I want us to be able to say, mm-hmm. you know, I gave you your reward in the midst of pain. Wow. In the midst of darkness. So Vince, any last words? Yeah. Just think carefully about what it is you're consuming. Huh? I said outside of it is finished. Oh yeah. Outside (laughs) of that. Just think carefully about what it is you're consuming, what it is you're taking in. Think carefully about uh, uh, the things you're, you're considering in your, in your mind, those, those narratives that we were talking about earlier and, and just think carefully about what it is that you're declaring with your words and actions. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, guys, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, it's a big topic and I, I'm honestly, I'm very excited to see how it, it all unfolds. I, I do. I feel like there is, there is even a sternness of the father in, in all of this. Like he's looking for full participation. And I, I feel like, you know, he's been issuing warnings for um, probably nine months now that, you know, you need to, you need to get off the bench or, you know, you're just going to be dismissed. And, and I feel like that's amping up right now where he's like, I need full participation or he's moving on. You know, the thing is, is God, God releases words over our lives. He releases promises over our lives, but he wants what he wants done. And he'll find another, if you're not going to rise up, we saw this happen in the story of Esther, where Mordecai warns her, if you persist in silence, he'll find another. And he will, he will, because he knows that his son is worthy of the reward. Do you, you know, is your life offering up the reward that he is worthy of? So, um, it's a little sobering, but we have got to, we have got to take these things way more seriously. It's, it's not suggestive. If he has released a word over your life, it is, it's a command and you Mm -hmm. need to take it seriously, pick that thing up and do your best to run with it. And, um, you know, he'll, he's got you, you know, you're not going to mess it up. He's got you. And, um, and, and he'll, he'll be there when, when you fall down, he's going to be there to pick you up and show you how to do it better. So he, I just think that the father would rather us risk it all, mm-hmm. continue to, to sit by the wayside and, and think that something is just magically going to appear. And that's not how prophecy works. No. You have to partner with it. You have to do the work. So get in the game. That's what I'll leave you with. Bless you, friends. We'll talk soon.